1: Well, it's Friday afternoon in Starkville, Mississippi. I'm Charlie Winfield. He's Bart Gregory. It's been a while, but this must be time for the Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Bart, it's not been a year, but it's been close. Feels like it. Feels
0: like it's been a while.
1: Feeling a little rusty on the Deep Dig approach. We we've, we've been in Sunday coffee mode for quite a while. Yeah, now.
0: we have. We've been in Sunday coffee mode for a while. We just had our last our first midweek show with Zach Arnett and Emmanuel Forbes have gotten good reviews from – Forbes those. is a good dude, isn't he? Yeah, he really is. Two good interviews right there. And then baseball, you know, we had the Tracks Plus Deep Dig on Fridays in baseball. And it's, it's just a different feel in baseball than it is football. So, Well, baseball, the numbers are so apparent. Yeah. Well, no, that's
1: not – I guess what I'd say is this. They're more ingrained, right? You grow up understanding Baseball is a game of numbers and averages and percentages. Football, you tend to grow up more like it's a game of toughness and strength and brute force.
0: And for numbers, you got to look for them. You got to you got to dig. You got a deep dig for numbers in football.
1: Yeah, and you really got a deep dig on this Memphis team cuz they've got new coordinators. New
0: coordinators uh they lost a few players off last year's team. You hey, know, they, by the
1: way, you know, Mike McIntyre left, defense coordinator. You yep. saw he went to Florida International right. as the head coach. He needed overtime to beat Bryant the other night. And, of course, former Mississippi State coach Joe Moorhead, now the head coach at Akron, needed overtime last night against that mighty – St. Francis, wasn't it? That mighty offense of St. Francis.
0: Hey, did you watch the football games last night? Did you watch Penn State and Purdue last night?
1: Well, yeah. that, I mean, that,
0: that's a kick if you're a Purdue guy. My
1: work day. This, one is, this was one of those days that has been staring me in the face for a month. And you know it's coming. You know it's going to be bad. There's nothing you can do about it. And so, honestly, last night I went to bed before games were over. Oh, did you really? No, I was up at 3 a.m. to get ready for a lot of things happening today.
0: Well, here's my problem is I've had like a head cold non-COVID okay so yesterday I went and got a steroid shot which meant <laughs> you were up to three a.m. I was up to three o'clock last night so anyway I'm ready to roll for today you're going to bed I was getting up but here we are yeah so
1: we're playing Memphis I still all these years later think of Memphis State it you know, was th- always Memphis State to me
0: you have to think of Memphis who's State. the
1: first Memphis State athlete you remember well I don't know if I
0: go that far
1: Keith Lee you probably don't remember Keith Lee, do you?
0: I really don't. Basketball I mean, player. basketball, I would say Anthony Hardaway. I, I'm probably a little bit, yeah, probably there. The first thing I think of Memphis, I'm going to play this for you. All right. Okay. The first thing I think of Memphis is I remember vividly sitting in my house, Nana William, Mississippi, 1985, and this happened. Tied at 28. We're awaiting the snapback.
1: Into the game. It's good. The ball is down. The kick Artie is Cosby. up. It's long enough. It is high enough. It is good. Good. A 54-yard field goal. It is good. A 54-yard field goal. No time on the clock. Mississippi State has won the ball game 31-28. Well, he got all of it, too. He got every bit of it, and they are mobbing Artie Cosby. So, man, what a tragic figure Artie Cosby can be.
0: So, yeah. you know, he has the windblown field goal right. against Ole
1: Miss. Flip those two. Let's say that kid gets blown back against Memphis. Yeah, then it makes the 54-yarder against Ole Miss. Yeah. I mean, it's on the Jumbotron every week, right? Don't right. we're Jumbotron anymore. Yeah, is it's just video board. Yeah, video Jumbotron's
0: gone. How about Carrero right there? He got all of it, Jack. He got all of it. And that's <laughs> what we paid Carrero for. Was that in-depth analysis?
1: No, I, I'm not going there with you. You you enjoy that, don't you? Like you get Carrero, Polk. Oh yeah, I Rocky. love Rocky. And that's the thing about it is like even does Carrero give it back to you. Does he give it back? Because I know Rocky gives it back to you. I know that Ron Polk gives it back to you. But you know, does John Carrero give it back to you the way they do? Yes, absolutely. Probably more than they the other ones do. So I don't have to feel bad for him for you taking a the shot there.
0: No, 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 no. I love taking shots at John because he takes a ton at me. Today we had an office lunch. All right, a tailgate lunch for the athletic department. And so I'm about to walk out and go grab the lunch. Coach Polk comes up and pats my belly and says, (laughs) You don't need that. (laughs) Well, so, I mean, yeah, they give it to me. Okay. Well, just making sure. Okay. But Uh, no, that's one of the first things I remember with Memphis, 1985, sitting at home. And it was a late game, I mean, late at night. And I remember listening to Mr. C and John Carrero. And Cosby pumps that field go through.
1: So, obviously, I remember that game. remember it for several reasons. But the other thing, if we were to go back a generation, there's another play. Now, this was before you were born. I guess I was born, but I wasn't old enough to be functioning at a high enough level to understand what was happening. But if you think back, I always think all the time, all of us sit around and talk about the Masters Grand Slam. We talk about Dante Jones. And about half the people who listen to our show weren't alive yet. This was the one that people did to us.
0: Yeah, I guess you're talking about Rocky Felker. Rocky Felker. Rocky Felker, 1974, before I was born. Let's see if we got that right here, too minute
1: left in the ball game, Felker brings his ball club on the line of scrimmage. Felker, underneath, Felker on the left side, touchdown, Mississippi State, Fitzjenson's hanging it in.
0: Somebody's laughing at to to the game a press box.
1: The two-point conversion attempt. Felker calls his play, rolls to the right, Felker gets the block, Felker to the goal line, he got it! Felker into the end zone, he's got the two-point conversion. Felker got the two-point Mississippi State 29, Memphis State 28, 49
0: seconds on the clock. This stadium is filled The Mississippi State Bulldogs lost 98 yards in 13 plays. Yeah, was, yeah that's. Uh, and Rocky was telling that story today at lunch as we were sitting there. We were talking about having to go 98 yards. We had Rocky on the show last year around this time. Yeah, we called it 97, and he was quick to point out that yeah, it, was it was 98. 98. We also had Jerry the King Lawler on last year. Remember Jerry that? Jerry the King. I do, you know, can't think about Memphis
1: without thinking about wrestling, can you? The junkyard dog. and Of course, we don't talk about wrestling, do we?
0: No, no. So,
1: all right, let's talk about this football game. Bart, last year we had reason to be upset. This year we're going to have reasons to be happy after this game. How do you see this one?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I look at this game, and you look back at last year, and of course – you see where, you know, they have the 94-yard punt return, which everybody talks about. But that gave Memphis an 11-point lead at the time. We led 17-7. to And then Memphis goes and they score 21 unanswered. They're up oh. 28-17 with five and a half minutes to go. And if you look back in that game, you know, we thought the game was over right then. You know, it's five and a half minutes to go. They score the touchdown. They're up 28-17. But then we put together two quick drives. I thought when you look at the game – Memphis hitting the 51-yard field goal right before our last drive. We drive down score, have to go for two because it's an eight-point game, don't get the two-point conversion. And so, man, you know, we said before the game started, and, you know, we we said there's zero excuse in losing this game, and we talked about that afterwards as well. And, of course, with officiating and things of that nature, yeah, it was tough. I just don't see this game being like that. I just don't see it. But I I will say this, you look at that game last year and you look and think about how we did in the first half, we just shut Memphis down offensively in the first half. We're going to talk about Seth Hennigan, the quarterback. We really had him rattled in the first half. And I think that's one of the things, he's gotten stronger, he's gotten bigger, and that's one of the things they've talked about at Memphis. They do have a new coordinator, running backs are back, They lose Austin, that really good wide receiver that they had last year. That's a big deal for them. That's a big deal for them. He caught the big touchdown pass to give them the lead, and then, of course, he had the kickoff or punt return for the touchdown of 94 yards. And so losing that guy is massive. And so Austin was a fourth-round guy. But one of the things, when you look at this Memphis team. Think about
1: that. Let me intersect. So Austin, their wideout, was a fourth-round guy. Yes. Last Mississippi State receiver to be drafted. Eric Moulds. That is nuts. Who was also played before a lot of our listeners were born.
0: But also, they had Dylan Parham on their offensive line, who was the third-round pick by the Raiders. I mean, he was really good up front. And then on the defensive side, they had J.J. Russell, who – you know, was all AAC linebacker. He had the league last year. Of tackles last year. Was a tremendous player on the defensive side. He had
1: like 116 or something. He was a big time player last
0: year. Yeah, and he was picked up as an undrafted free agent. He made a practice squad this year in the NFL. So, you know, they did lose some pieces, but the transfer portal allows you to get some guys. They got a a guy from Northern Illinois, a run, running back, and so that they do have some some transfers coming in. You know, that are, that are going to take a little bit. Ira Henry. As an offensive line guy from Florida State coming in. And so, yeah, the transfer portal is going to help them a little bit. But uh, Tim Cramsey is his first year as the offensive coordinator. He comes from Marshall. He had some really good offenses at Sam Houston State before he went to Marshall. And, of course, at Sam Houston State, it was pass happy. It was crazy offense. But this is going to be very similar to the offensive style that Memphis had last year. So there's not going to be a major change in their offensive philosophy.
1: Well, and that was part of the reason that Cramsey took the job, is that at Marshall he thought his philosophy was very similar with what Ryan Silverfield is doing. And so I think the gist of it was he was going to be making whatever changes to the offense needed to be made more so than him coming in and changing
0: things. And let's think about why they have to change at Memphis. Why do they, they have to change? the ball? run cha- the ball? Well, they wanted to, why do they have to change? It's because when they beat us, they were 3-0. and and you remember, man, they th- they thought they were on top of the world. And they end up 6-6. Six and six. They lost their next three games. They were ahead big the week after they played us against Texas-San Antonio, UTSA. Ahead at the half, gave up a big lead, lost 31-28. to 28. Then they lose to Temple, 34-31. 30, and then they lose to Tulsa. So they lost three in a row. They're sitting there 3-3. Three and three. And they go down the stretch. They lose two of their last three. They lose to East Carolina 30-29. to 29. They, they beat SMU. And SMU was really good last year. And so it was just kind of an it was up and a down weird thing. Year. Yeah, course, we, you know, look at it, though.
1: It, it's year three for both these head coaches. And if there is one thing that you can say about Mike Leach historically is he's going to win some games he shouldn't win. And he's going to lose some that just kind of leave you scratching your head. It's almost been the Ryan Silverfield experience so far, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, it really has. And you start talking about Memphis as a program. And, you know, you start thinking about the recency and how you think of Memphis. And Memphis has had success when you start thinking about
1: They've been eight straight balls.
0: Justin Fuente and then Mike Norvell and Ryan Silverfield. When Justin Fuente got there, that program was dead. I mean, it was complete, It was toast. They played like a Thursday night game in the fog. It was probably 2010. And I think they listed 4,000. 4,000 for the game. And that program was left for dead. And Fuente came in there and kind of reinvigorated it a little bit. And so this Memphis program has been coming on strong. But at the end of the day, hey, it's a big game for Memphis because this is an SEC team on the road. I think, you know, we talked to Emmanuel Forbes Those guys in that locker room from Mississippi State remember this game from last year, and I think that helps a lot. Well, they better
1: remember it. I remember it, so I'd like to forget. But that one's going to stick with you a little while. Um, Hey, by the way, we're in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, check them out for all your insurance needs. We are in the heart of Mississippi's college town, Starkville, Mississippi, and it is Friday afternoon. This town feels different. It feels a lot different than it did on Tuesday. I love that energy. You had to come from campus. I mean, It took you a little while.
0: Yeah, it did. It took a little while. Today's the day, you know, and people in Houston, Texas laugh at us when we start talking about traffic, Starkville. But uh, today's not the day you want to go to the west side of town. You don't want to go all the way out to Walmart because Highway 12 can be a bear.
1: You don't have to go to the Kroger's.
0: Yeah, Kroger's. You better you better do all your stuff before Thursday on game week at Kroger's, you know, the k Roger. But, uh, yeah, it's just a buzz, man. It's awesome. I I love game weeks. I love Friday before the first game. And it's just uh, we were talking to to Zach Arnett and Emmanuel Forbes about how this is the fun time of year. And it's just something about the Friday before the first game.
1: Well, it's the kind of traffic that makes you think about needing insurance. So, check (laughs) them out. Agents, all 82 counties are friends at Farm Bureau. Happy to have them back on with us. Look, we've got – Great Farm Bureau friends all over the state of Mississippi, and Henry Hamill, obviously uh, one of our one of our good friends, and appreciative of all the opportunity to be back with Farm Bureau this year. And Bart, you kind of had some thoughts. Let me share a few. I was looking at these two teams, and you see the similarities. Year three for Mike Leach, year three for Ryan Silverfield, Mississippi State. The question is whether Leach, his team, is going to do what he's done in other places. Is this the year? that everything comes together. I mean, how many times we heard Mike Leach, year three? Well, Memphis, you know, they've got to have some questions where they are in year three, because they've got some big wins they can feel good about. They got some losses they don't feel great about. And I think you've got to be wondering a little bit, are we starting to lose where we were with Mike Norvell, where we were with Justin Fuente? And I don't know. It's, I think it's a big year for Ryan Silverfield at Memphis. You know, you think back—the last two times we saw these teams, Memphis was sitting in Hawaii, getting ready to play a bowl game against Hawaii, that was canceled less than twenty-four hours before it was played.
0: By the way, okay, yeah, they were going to play. They were going to play Hawaii, and we're probably going to beat Hawaii. Did you see Hawaii last weekend against Vanderbilt? They have to be the worst team in the 50 states of the United States.
1: Yeah, they don't want any any piece of St. Francis right now. Oh, my that. goodness.
0: They were absolutely awful. Timmy Chang in his first year, they were brutal. Yeah, but that's who Memphis was going to play in a bowl game last year. So Memphis was going to play a
1: bowl game, didn't get to. Meanwhile, we were in Memphis and kind of wish we had. To. Yeah,
0: I wish we hadn't have played in that bowl game. <laughs> because
1: <laughs> not all of us did. Only some of the, the guys played, and hats off to the ones who did. Um, you start to think, though, and you start to peel apart. You know, There's lots of ways you could sit around and say these two teams are alike. Will Rogers was one of the top passers in the league. Well, so was Seth Hennigan from Memphis. You could do all these different things. Both teams like to throw the ball, and neither team runs it terribly well. But there, there really aren't many similarities once you really get past it. Uh, this Mississippi State program is much more solid. You've got Zach Arnett in his third year. Memphis, as we said, replacing both coordinators. And, look, that's what you do at Memphis. You're going to have to replace those guys if you're doing well. Here's the other thing. Memphis is young. You go through, they have 62 players on their depth chart. 32 over half are redshirt sophomores or younger. For Mississippi State, that number is 11. Memphis has nine starters, sophomores or younger. Mississippi State, just two. That's Ra Ra Thomas and Rufus Harvey. So this is a much, much more veteran team in Mississippi State. The other thing I'd say is Memphis hasn't had a top 50 scoring defense since 2014. Now, they've been winning anyway because they put up numbers on the offensive side. If this Mississippi State defense isn't top 50 this year, we got troubles.
0: Yeah. Hey, I was looking at the uh, Memphis depth chart, and so many times when you play – you know, a, a greater five team, and of course there is that you know chip on your shoulder coming into a power five team. But this is Memphis. I mean, you got some guys that you know grew up very close to the state of Mississippi. I, I look at the right guard, you know, Matt Dale, 6'5", 330, is a fifth year player, played at Hines Community College, guy played at Kemper County High School down in cab, starting right, uh, starting right guard. Uh, you look at the at the left tackle, and this is a name that a lot of people are going to remember from Mississippi State. Red freshman from Byhelia, Mississippi, McCalin Pounders. He was a Mississippi State commit. And remember, he was a, he was a state commit for a long, long time, and then all of a sudden Ole Miss flipped him. He goes to Ole Miss and he was the guy that Ole Miss you know, they, they jump up and down every year. They try to to steal a commitment, and he was the guy they stole, then they dropped him. And then he ends up at Memphis. He's gonna be their starting left tackle for Memphis in the game tomorrow, McCalin Pounders from Byhelia.
1: So you get to look at it though. I, I think there's there's a lot of differences in these two teams. Now Memphis did hit the portal hard. They're gonna have a couple of linebackers playing their transfers. They got defensive end that have been Ohio State. So I mean, this isn't this isn't a terrible football team. Don't don't get me wrong. It's an inconsistent team that you ought to beat. It it look, this beats the heck out of playing South Alabama. well, I don't wanna go
0: there. Yeah, especially a season opener. Yes, Mike Leach is not going to wear shorts tomorrow. Well, he might. <laughs> Mike Leach out there in cargo shorts. We lose tomorrow oh, <laughs> with an apple gosh. and a banana and a, uh, a burrito. Burrito they own his pockets.
1: All right, so on our show, we're going to change things up. Just, I mean, not a ton. We're kind of reworking our 321 segment this year. Um, last year, we always focused on an opposing coach. And you know what I decided about opposing coaches, Bart? Nobody cares. I don't care. I don't either. I just – my heart wasn't in it after a while. If I see somebody of note, I'll mention it. So, we'll still do our three numbers. We'll still do our two players each. And our one now is just going to become one more thing. This one more thing that we decide we want to talk about, whatever it may be. Okay. And we're going to ditch the two-minute drill. And so we're going to
0: kind of just take away the clock, the horn.
1: Yeah, we're going to have an amalgamation of our old segment there. We're going to combine a few things, and whatever we feel like talking about at the end, that's going to be our one. But by the way, this is our Tracks Plus deep dig. And Bart, you know, one of the more impressive things that you do is when you get to talking about Tracks Plus, you always know where to find Ken Crosby and Hoop Weems. And I mean, he's down in Alexandria. You can you can knock out the guys at Summit. You know where Gresh Howell is. I mean, y-
0: you are in tune with the Tracks Plus directory. Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton are in Columbus. All right. And then you've got Fred Fulton. No, you've already
1: said Fred Fulton. Well, yeah,
0: he's in he's in Columbus. Okay. And then you got King Crosby down in Hickory. Okay. Gresh Howell is in Summit, Mississippi. Hoop Weems is in Alexandria, Louisiana, and now in their new location in Bessemer, Alabama. Is Nathan George, and here's what's funny. All right, so Chris, I was with Chris Weems earlier this year. Our daughters were playing against each other in softball, and we were talking to our old friend Ron Perkins. You know Ron. Ron is originally from Louisville. His daughter plays softball with my daughter, and so he was asking Chris about it, about the business, about Tracks Plus. And he says, "Where are you?" And he says, and so I named. I was like, "Hey, let me tell you where they're at." and a name where they're at and their head salesman there. And Chris looked at me and laughed, and he was like, that's the power of advertising right there. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so that great sany seine- equipment, the mini excavators and the excavators, if you're clearing land, if you're trying to clear a fence row, hey, they do rental right now. And Chad Tillman and the gang down there at Meridian, they'll, they'll rent you something for a weekend you weekend warriors out there you think they would trust me with anything for a weekend they'd want to see they'd want to see your farm bureau insurance <laughs> That's right, right. <laughs> they'd want to see everything yeah, let's get a copy of his <laughs> license and insurance <laughs> while we're at it But uh, but also that Barco equipment as well for the foresters out there. I see a lot of you know forestry sites and a lot of clearings, and I see a lot of that Barco equipment. And so they just it's a it's a growing business that continues to grow, and it's amazing what Chris Weems and that group have done. A lot of used equipment as well. One of the largest used equipment operators uh, in the Deep South. Show coming up again soon. It's got to be soon because it was hot last year when we went out there.
1: Get on something again? We
0: need to go. up. Uh, last year was the skid steer. I think this year it's got to be something you can dig with. I want to dig something. Just make sure we don't hit a water pipe.
1: Right? I mean, if we're not okay out there in the forest, we've got – but I would be the guy. Yeah, you I would be the guy that found, like, a gas line or something that's been unmarked for 50 years.
0: And I would never let you forget it. Never let you forget it.
1: I don't think anybody forget it I hit a gas line. But, well, in any event, Tracks Plus brings us – our 3-2-1 segment. Bart, you know, it's always kind of worked. You give your numbers first, so let's hear them. All right. All right, here we go. My first number is three. And, hey, <sighs> whoa, 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 Talk about. Are you going to go largest to smallest in number? Is there any method? Because three is an awful low number to start with.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go low to high. All right? Low to so high. Already,
1: that's another change from last year. We yeah, go well.
0: On. Three – and that's – we cannot have three straight possessions in the game tomorrow where we have to punt. And so, when you start looking back at last year's game, and, you know, we, we start talking about the Memphis and the punt return and things of that nature that one of the reasons you lost the game, you want to blame the back judge, that's fine. But last year, we went stagnant in late second quarter all the way through the early fourth quarter. The last possession of the first half, we had to punt. Then we ended the half. The first possession of the second half turned over on downs, and then we had to punt the next four possessions. That's the reason oh. we lost four? Four. We had to punt essentially we had a punt end of half, that didn't matter, turnover on downs and then four straight punts. Woof. Yes. That's the reason we lost the ball game last year, is because we went completely stagnant for a quarter and a half. We can't do that in a game tomorrow. We, we can't have we cannot have three straight possessions with a punt we 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 have got to build our offense and be a little bit more consistent
1: so here's what I want to know because you know people keep up with these numbers and we hear about them when we come in here on Sundays here's my question let's say hypothetically that we go punt punt turnover on downs punt oh I'm, yeah that counts that so how yeah. does a turnover on downs figure into your your number here.
0: Well, that just accentuates it. Right? That's what it does. It's like the you that's know like hitting the whammy. It's like the whammy. It's like the uh, the power ball when you're shooting in the three you remember the old power ball when you shot at the very end of the three point shooting contest? It's the free spot
1: in the middle of the tic tac toe.
0: Yeah, no, no. If if you add the, the turnover on downs, that's uh that goes along with the punt to me. That
1: counts as a punt. All right. Well we'll uh I'll I'll give you that. So your first number is three.
0: Then what do you got? All right, number uh, my second number is four, all right? Number four, and that's the number of passes completed by Seth Hennigan between 10 and 19 yards between the hashes. Okay, and I know that sounds a little convoluted right there, but Seth Hennigan last year completed right at four passes a game intermediate center of the field. That was his highest-rated area on the field. That's where he got the most first downs throwing the ball in the middle of the field, and that, to be honest with you, is where he made his hay on big throws. Memphis was a team last year. We talked about NC State like to go left. Memphis was a team last year that used the middle of the field between the numbers exceptionally well throwing the football. You have to limit him on big plays. 10 to 19, that's that intermediate area of catching the ball. It's not about catching it four yards and then going to 15. No, between 10 and 19 where the guy catches the ball, we have to keep them to four catches, four passes, between 10 and 19 yards in between the numbers. 10 to 19 yards, center
1: of the football. It's like the opposite of high school football coaches. That's right. You notice how every high school coach thinks they got to throw it outside the numbers?
0: And I think a lot of that is I shouldn't say every. Well, I that's did. That's unfair. Well, you know, the the good old-day syndrome. I mean, that's the way I threw it, mainly because I couldn't see. I couldn't see in the middle of the field. So I was trying to get outside where I wouldn't have to be behind the lineman. so you were throwing it outside. That's one of the reasons there. But anyway, they like to use the middle of the field. All right, so what was that number again? Four. Four. So we got three, four, and 100. We had to hold Memphis to less than 100 yards rushing. And people say, yeah, that's going to be easy. Memphis is a throwing team. I'm going to tell you this. Looking at the returners at running back, you start talking about the newcomer from northern Illinois, a new offensive coordinator. I look for Memphis to try to shorten the game a little bit. I look for Memphis to try to run the football a little bit more tomorrow than what we saw last year.
1: Well, and I'll give you one reason why I expect them to try to run it more, because they were so bad at it last year. Meaning, how many times do you sit around and say – We've got to get better at this next year. And it's almost like you come out that first game trying extra hard to prove it. You're going to prove that we're getting better at running the football. It's like Mississippi State. I wonder if we're going to try to prove that we can throw it down the field more. Yeah. I don't know. But Mike Leach probably didn't stay up worried about what people And they had to do better. But some guys do.
0: Yeah, and they had a decent average rushing the football last year against us at like four yards a carry, which is not terrible. And so I think our front line. I think our front line is going to be really good this year. And so I think tomorrow you're going to get a good gauge of just how good our front, our front three, and then our linebackers are going to be. All right.
1: So keep it under 100. Three, four, and 100.
0: That's are your right. numbers. That's
1: my numbers. All right. So my numbers are, and I'm I'm just old school. I'm going largest to small. Mine is 450. I want 450 passing yards tomorrow.
0: Well, we had what 419 last
1: 419 year. 419 on 50 attempts. A lot, and I'm okay with that.
0: But we left there saying last year, you know, the last two possessions. So of course, Memphis loosened things up because they had the 11 point lead in the fourth quarter. But man, the last two possessions I mean, we,
1: <laughs> no, and I'm wrong. I, actually, I misspoke. I said attempts. We had 50 completions. Yeah. We had 67 attempts. 50 of 67 last year. But, but man, average per attempt of six and an average per completion of 8.4.
0: Yeah, I mean, we were throwing it. It was like they were defending us with chairs in the fourth quarter last year. And I look for us to do a lot more of – to look a lot more like that in the game tomorrow than we did in those five possessions where we had to punt.
1: Yeah, we got to go down the field more. Um, but regardless, I would like to see 450 passing yards tomorrow. All I'm asking, 31 more yards. 31 more yards we win the game last year. I need 31 more here in this game. That's doable. All right, so 450 is my number. The second is 28. And this isn't a big number when you think about it, but I want 28% or more of our passes to be 10 or more yards down the field. That's actually lower than we were on average last year. I started to say I want a third of our passes going longer, and you're going to say, well, why didn't you? Why did you back off? Why did you get conservative? Because here's why i also want to win this game by about four touchdowns. And so I'm factoring in that I may need some new guys playing quarterback tomorrow. And if you do, you're not going bombs away with some guy who's never played, right? Sawyer Robertson comes in tomorrow. We're not going to be throwing it 40 yards down the field. We're going to try to get him in the groove, run the offense. So it's almost like I'm expecting, I'm expecting some garbage time. So
0: that is influencing my number. Okay, so you're going to go that far. You're expecting not only going to win, not only going to cover the spread. I guess we can talk about that later on. You're anticipating second-string quarterback usage tomorrow.
1: I will say this. This is not a number, but this is a a hot sports opinion you can take home with you, Bart. If we don't see Sawyer Robertson tomorrow, Uh because we choose to out of excitement, not out of fear or resignation then it will be a disappointing day. <laughs> Charlie Winfield. Yes. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Well, I mean, I mean, look, the guy's been around. He's been sitting here. He's been playing. Will Rogers, no matter what Mike, Leach, Will Rogers is our quarterback. We're not going to bench. If we do bench Will Rogers in the middle of this game, play Sawyer Robertson, we're going to have a really ugly Sunday show because everything will have gone really bad. What I'm saying is this. Was it Vanderbilt when – we played like four quarterbacks one year. I think it was. We had like Madkin, Wyatt, um, Fant—I mean, not Fant, but uh, anyway, Rob Morgan. Maybe I forget. Kelvin Love, I think, played quarterback before he came a receiver. In any event, that I game think was Ellis hot could by be the way. Murky. We won big. I want to win big tomorrow. I want to see some quarterbacks. Okay, that's what I want to see. Any event, four fifty passing yards, twenty-eight percent of passes. In the air, 10 or more yards down the field, and the last number is two, we must have two or fewer turnovers. And you say, well, two turnovers is a lot. It's the first game. It's going to be a little sloppy. And, again, I go back to this thing. Not all turnovers are created equal. I don't care about interception at the goal line on third and nine at midfield.
0: Remember last year, that's how Memphis scored first is we fumbled they picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. That's how they took a 7-0 lead last year. And it's almost like that gave them hope. Okay, hey, we can, okay, here we go. Get the crowd into it a little bit. You don't know, you know, it's one thing to have a turnover. It's another thing was a live ball turnover in basketball. That's right. Yeah, yeah. go the other way. Yeah, we definitely don't need any of those. So
1: 450, 28, and 2, that's a look at our three numbers Two players,
0: two players brought to you by two brothers on university Drive, two brothers I
1: think that place is hopping right now,
0: man, I drove by there a while ago. ton of people there. It's just a great place to go and eat and well, yeah, uh, we talk about the the tacos all the time. Charlie eats all the tacos and I get those fries, those loaded fries there down there. the smoke wings, smoke wings are fantastic that's my go to but uh two brothers just really. Good food, good bar scene. You've got the the patio up top, and it's just you sit outside. Man, it's just awesome. Great people watching on a weekend. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places to go. Two brothers Smoke meats. Who are your two players? No, you you get to lead it
1: off. We have a structure here. Okay.
0: All right. My first one, I'm going to go with the quarterback, and that's Seth Hennigan. All right. And so he was a guy last year who – This is the deep dig, by the way. Yeah. You dug
1: deep to get the opposing quarterback. I did.
0: Okay. Well, okay. He threw for 3,300 yards last year. And the thing about Memphis last year and their passing concept, they didn't play much with, with play action – they only threw 32% of the time with play action, 68% of the time with no play action. They didn't throw a whole lot of screens at all. But going back to to Hennigan, he is so good in the middle of the field. Last year, in the deep center of the field, he completed 50% of his passes. That's balls in the air over 20 yards. So you use the middle of the field extremely well. In that intermediate center of the field, he completed 69% of his passes last year. The thing about Hennigan, early in the year, even against us, he was a pocket-style passing quarterback. He did not like to tuck it and run. What he did later in the year last year was he got outside the pocket, never really a whole lot of design runs, but he scrambled and he felt more comfortable running the football. I'm not going to be surprised tomorrow, Charlie, to see him be, to tuck it and run and hit the eject button a little bit faster than he did last year against us. Last year he stood in the pocket, took some sacks. He may try to get outside of contain tomorrow. And so that's my first guy I look at is Seth Hennigan, the quarterback.
1: All right, So that's fair enough. Who's your second guy?
0: All right, second guy, and I talked about him last year, and you start talking about the defense for Memphis. They're switching from a 3-4 to a 4-3. And so last year you think about rushing three and then sitting back with everybody else. This year they're with a new defense coordinator. They're going to a four-man front. And the nose tackle is where Davis Duxworth, he's a fifth-year player. You start talking about all these fifth-year guys in sports and how you get to be older. He's a fifth-year guy, but he's from Mize, Mississippi. The Mize Bulldogs played down at Jones Junior College or Jones College. And so he's a fifth-year guy, down tackle. You think about Mississippi State, along that front line, You know we're having to mix and match and move some guys around a little bit, and it's going to be the first start for a few of those guys on the offensive line. And so you have to watch out for number 97, Big Wardellus Ducksworth, 6'4", 265, he's not just a huge guy, but he's got a lot of quickness to him. Yeah, Jones, junior college
1: guy. Um, you know, he was second on the team in sacks last year. He was one of the guys I was looking at too. And one of the things – that concerns you about him is one, he's a veteran. And we've talked before about being that super senior, that extra old guy, what that does for you. It's so easy when you start to look at this offensive line at ours to worry about who's going to be playing outside your left tackle. Who's that ends going to be. And that's kind of the natural place that you look out on the edges for rushers. But this is a guy like, like I said, last year was second on the team and getting to the quarterback. If he gets to our quarterback then that ain't great for us, right? Because if he can get get to the quarterback up the middle, oof, we, then he's a guy that could make life really bad for us if, if he does. Um, so I'll take a look at uh, my two guys. My first guy is number 24, Greg Rubin. He's a 5'11", 190 sophomore cornerback. I didn't think he was great in coverage against us last year, but he did have eight tackles, broke up a couple of passes, but we completed a number on him too. He – I thought, like I said, thought he struggled in coverage. He wasn't great most of the year. If you go back and look, he had two really good games in coverage, Arkansas State, and then the other one, Navy, who doesn't really count. Right? I mean, saying, hey, I was in great coverage against Navy is not saying much. (laughs) Uh, But he didn't play well the back third of the season. Now, though, look, this is a guy started basically every game as a freshman – Feel Steele says he's a second-team all-conference guy. I'm not quite sold yet.
0: Feel Steele to me, has kind of dropped off, too. Sorry. That's Uh a side note for another day.
1: Yeah, we could do a whole thing on that, right? But here's the question. How much did he grow up? How much is that experience of having played the entire season last year? Again, Greg Rubin, the cornerback, he's a sophomore. Keep an eye out for him. The next guy to look out for, though, is Jalen Allen. He's a defensive end. Uh, 6'3", 240. he's old, too. He wears number 22. He is that guy who is most likely, I don't know whether they put him on the left or right, because you've got a guy in a sophomore who played at Ohio State, Cormonte Hamilton on one side. You're going to have Jalen Allen on the other. Dollar Bill is going to have, just have the feeling he and Jalen Allen are going to get to know each other tomorrow. Redshirt Senior, he's out of Humble, Texas. I wonder if you pronounce the H in Humble, Texas. Yes, you do. Some people, it's Humble. No. I'm more of a humble guy. No, it's humble. All right, so humble Texas, Jalen Allen, number 22. He is another guy to look out for. He was all around the quarterback at times last year, so keep an eye out for him.
0: And those are our two gu- two guys brought to you by Two Brothers Smoked Meats on University Drive right there in the edge of the Cotton District here in Startville. Go by and get you some of those tacos and smoke wings. Hey, smoke wings, great for the tailgate. So if you're coming into town, you got the tailgate, you got the long tailgate tomorrow with a game late tonight tomorrow night, six thirty, by the way. Love that six thirty kick. Got plenty of time to eat a bunch of smoke wings from two brothers out at your tailgate. Yeah, that's
1: a pretty good uh, tailgate right there. All right, so all right, now it's time for our one more thing. And as we said, this is just kind of one more thing we want to talk about. And this week I I'm gonna pick what we talk about. How about that?
0: So I have no say-so in this whatsoever. You get to participate. Okay.
1: You just don't get the say-so. So here is my thoughts on this. When I think of Memphis, we talked about wrestling. We think of that. But the other thing you have to think about when you Rips. think of Memphis. Uh, rendezvous. Are you a Rendezvous guy?
0: No, I'm a Central Barbecue guy. Yeah, it's better, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, although I'm not uh, I'm not up to speed on Memphis, but I do. You know, there's a kind of a Memphis sound.
0: Gus's Fried Chicken.
1: There's, I think of music when I think of Memphis. Yeah. You know, you think of The Firm, you think of John Grisham books. but So what I want to do in this one more thing, I want to talk real briefly about what do you think the best Memphis song is. You got Elvis Presley, Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Memphis,
0: Tennessee,
1: do you think of Elvis as a Memphis a guy? I mean, I know Graceland was in Memphis, but...
0: No, I mean, I'm a Mississippian, so I think of him from Tupelo. But, you know, Graceland there. I guess you think of Sun Records. A lot of people have gone to Sun Records. That was a big B.B. King hangout. A big Johnny Cash hangout, Sun Records. And, of course, most people... Who's this?
1: This is Pam Tillis. Mel Tillis' daughter. Is it really? I was just about to ask that. Yeah. So, Pam, tell us the song about Memphis. Maybe it was Memphis. So I don't think that would go anywhere in my in my top list.
0: No, I would put that in my saved on Spotify.
1: Now, this song is not a terrible Memphis song.
0: Queen of Memphis, Confederate yeah, Railroad.
1: Yeah, Queen of Memphis.
0: Yeah. What about Walking to Memphis?
1: That is, of course, this is the best Memphis song to me, right? Yeah, it's got to be. Isn't this the one that if you're at the Peabody, there's like a bunch of drunk people throwing money at the guy on the piano, saying, "Play this one."
0: Yeah, it's kind of like Piano Man. Um, but I think later in this song, there's like a line where it doesn't like rhyme. To me, I'm not one of the. I'm one of those guys that I want to listen to a song where all the lines rhyme. Or
1: not. I mean, yeah. you got to commit to a shtick, right? You're either yeah. rhyming or not. You, Mark Cohn, you know, he was married to, what was her name? She was the TV, TV person. Uh, oh, come on. We're going to get this, right? There are people like pounding the dashboard right now saying who, Elizabeth Fargus, that's her name. She was like a Good Morning America type.
0: Mark Cohn was married to her? Yeah. Really? Are they still married? Nah, they divorced okay. in 2014. Wasn't true love?
1: No, oh, they stayed together
0: for 12 years.
1: Mar-co- you know what she got mad about? That, you know, this was kind of as good as it got for him. You know, yeah. You know, walking he peaked, in Memphis, and then what else was there, right? peaked early in his career. Yeah, so that was my little one more thing. Memphis what? music, something to think about. So let us know what we missed there. You've got maybe it was Memphis. You've got Elvis Presley's Memphis, Tennessee. you got The Queen of Memphis. The Queen of Memphis and Walkin' in Memphis. You know, this really is the only song.
0: Yeah. Wouldn't you have to say the best movie would be The Firm? Yeah, I would
1: think so. I'm sure I'm missing
0: something. Got to be. Well, hey, we got the first Friday deep dig in the book. I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, so what else you got? Real quick, give me a a hot take before we go to the break here.
0: Hot take before we go to the break. All right, so the – did we talk spreads here? Can we talk spreads here? We can. All right. Spread is 16 and a half, right? 16 and a half. Let's check and see how the money is coming in right now. Earlier today, all the money was coming in on Mississippi State to cover 16 and a half. But here was the big key is 98% of the money was on this game to be under. And the under is 56. Yeah, I think I'd go under there. That takes a lot of scoring to get to
1: 56. But they're just teasing you, aren't they? High-scoring game has to favor us. I just can't see our defense giving up that many points in a ballgame.
0: 95% of the money and 69% of the bets are for Mississippi State to cover the 16-and-a-half. On the total, which is 57-and-a-half, okay, 56-and-a-half. The over-under is 56-and-a-half. That way, you know, most people are saying 56 points will not be scored or 56-and-a-half will not be scored. 98% of the money, only 36% of the bets is on the under. Wow. I'm not much of a gambling man. I'm not either. You can do whatever you want to. And, hey, don't take our word for it,
1: right? No, that's for certain. Hey, one last thing. You, you and I are both big fans of uh, Sports Station Out in Dallas, KTCK, The Ticket. The Ticket. Which is just a phenomenal. It's an all-local sports station. And, by the way, if you like the Dallas Cowboys, download the Sports Day app, which has the ticket Locate on it, their pregame shows and postgame shows are like what we wish we could do, right? I mean, they're outstanding.
0: They say a lot of things on there that if we said, yeah, we wouldn't
1: be doing. Post-game we would not shows. be doing,
0: yeah, we would not well, be at doing, at least
1: not in our current venue. Uh, but they're they're really good. They're they're absolutely outstanding. It's fair. They they give credit where it's due and criticism where needed. So uh, think that. But I, I was listening to them this week, and I heard them talk about this idea because we talked about this briefly earlier going for it on fourth down. And they referenced an article from the New York Times, and I went back and looked at this. This is just kind of a math probability thing. This thing's called the fourth down bot that put out this article. But here's what it says about going for it on fourth down. It says on fourth and one, mathematically, the premise, by the way, is that coaches don't go for it enough on fourth down. We're seeing more of that lately as analytics takes over. Starting at your own nine-yard line, you're better off to go for it. On 4th and 1.
0: You're on 9? On 9. Oh, man, can you imagine that? No, we don't get it on 4th and 1 from the 10 from our own 10. You don't get it? They score? They say 4th and 2, anywhere beyond your own
1: 28. 4th and 3, anywhere beyond your own 40. And then they go on. They've got some deeper numbers. They say that when given the chance, attempt the long field goal instead of punt. But then here was my, here was my favorite quote. And this actually quotes an economist at the University of Chicago, which you know anything about economics is probably the leading. Like every other year, they have a Nobel laureate come out of there. It's an, an outstanding econ school. But So they look at these things analytically. Here's his, his advice. When you cross midfield, pretend your punter is hurt. you will improve your play calls on both third and fourth downs. Okay. Thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm not going for it on fourth and one from the nine. Just not doing it.
1: I don't care how many Nobel Prizes are sitting on the (laughs) sidelines. We're punting that baby. (laughs) So, All right, so that's our Friday deep dig. Uh, Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Just so you have an idea of what Bart and I will be up to the next couple of days. Tomorrow we will be at Scott Field. We're doing our pregame show from inside the stadium, inside Davis Wade Stadium this year. Postgame we'll be back at Bulldog Burger. And then uh, we'll be here, of course, for Sunday coffee by the way tomorrow when you're in the stadium you'll see a little reference to this uh, on the ribbon boards and on the video board but uh, hey don't forget about the Bulldog Initiative look there's all sorts of rumors and I, I get all the buzz and the talk but here's what I want you to know good things are happening we need help we need more help we need people to spread the word but good things are happening with the Bulldog Initiative so jump in and help out where you can Uh, But until Sunday, this has been the Tracks Plus Friday Deep Dig.